To you it's just a game, for me it's all I know I make them remember my name before I have to go Losing, I can't fathom, that's a champion's passion Confidence never lacking, drop the beat, let's attack them They be checking for the content, you tired of that nonsense No gimmicks, break limits, quality is I promise This is more than a show, this is a way of life Cause the game as it grows, takes us to higher heights Check the stats before you check me And don't tell me who the greatest if you don't know the history Robert Ramon and Carlos the new big three and if the pins ain't from them don't bring them to me because i go off like a rocket launcher man i just hate the beat i'm a real monster i can hear the crowd chanting mvp that's my mantra here's a standing on for the opinionated bench warmers Welcome to the Opinionated Benchwarmers Podcast, episode 52, home of the LSU Tigers fans. Episode 52, a day after we recorded it, a night after one of the probably the greatest games I ever seen in my eyes, LSU play since I've been old enough to understand sports. How y'all fellas doing? I got my boy, as always, Ramon, sitting right next to me. I got Carlos in on Skype and out of San Antonio. How you fellas doing? Feeling good, man. It's been a while since I, you know, talked to y'all and we did this thing, but ready to get back at it, talk sports and do what we do best. Yeah, man. Let's get to it then. Let's, let's get, get to it, it man. Let's get it. So after eight years of treacherous games, LSU was finally able to overcome that test of the Nick Saban. Alabama rivalry. I think that the rivalry has been revived after that game last night, after a win of forty-six to forty-one, which catap- which probably will catapult LSU to number one in the playoff rankings. Um, it came out today the AP our rankings. We got LSU atop our rankings as well as, as the AP rankings have them number one as well. Man, I just it's so much to cover from that game. Uh, let's just start off. You know, just initially, I guess, off the eye test, I didn't, I didn't think, to me, Bama looked like a Nick Saban coach team. Just based on all the mistakes that they were making, they seemed very sloppy. Um, what, what did you guys see? Just overall, I guess, in an evaluation of Bama, how they look? No, no, I think you spot on, spot on with that evaluation. You know, I think uh, that team, they killed themselves a couple times with the penalties, you know, the – the, the turnovers, you know, that, that drive, that first drive that they had with Tua going down, you know, that was a pretty good drive. They hit us with, with I'm sorry, they hit LSU with uh, back-to-back big plays, you know. Um, I believe it was a, a throw down the sideline and it was a big run, um, you know. And they were, they were driving down pretty good on the, you know, um, around this LSU de- defense. And so, you know, that fumble, you know, I think that was the big turn of the game right there. That changed the momentum, and they, they put them behind. You know, that pretty much sucked the air out of them, um, you know. And, yeah, I'll, I'll just say that. Yeah, I think what you really saw in it, like you said, was, you know, it wasn't it didn't look like a typical Nick Saban team. It looked like really kind of they found themselves on the other end of what they typically do to teams as far as 
they typically kind of have that mental edge over teams where they kind of get teams outside mm-hmm. of themselves. And it's almost like in this game, almost like, you know, I don't want to say that they did, but maybe got a little bit too hyped. They got outside of themselves, basically. LSU was able to match them. And you saw things kind of similar, like when somebody is able to punch the bully and stand up to them, it's kind of similar to what happened to them in the national championship against Clemson. You know, they kind of getting outside of themselves and start doing uncharacteristic things. Um, and so I think that's what you really saw, you know, a lot in this game, especially within that first half. Well, I mentioned it to you, Ramon, a couple podcasts ago, just watching them in the game where they played Tennessee, where Tua actually went down. Before Tua went down, I was just coming on it like, it, you know, Tennessee had their chances to really kind of gain momentum, and they really had their chance to really kind of take over the game. They had the chance even to win when Tua went down. But like I said, they didn't have enough firepower, or they couldn't match the t- the size. They couldn't match the talent of Alabama, so ultimately they lost. But that game was uncharacteristic of Bama, and Bama has been playing kind of uncharacteristic all year if we want to really look at it. Um, nobody's talking about it because it's Bama, but – they don't look the same as they have in the, in the past. And I, you mentioned last podcast, it's, it's just the defense is, is a little weaker than it has yeah. been in the past. But, you know, they, they didn't look at it. They made a lot of bonehead plays, you know, whether it was the cheap shot by that offensive lineman on, on, on LSU or whether it was the, the pick that Tua threw and, you know, just penalties, you know, um, mishandling the punt, you know, mishandling the punt, uh, you know, from the center, it's just it was a lot of mistakes that you don't normally see just a Bama team make. And for once, uncharacteristic, what was weird about it is just to see Nick Saban back was against the wall in that game. Yeah. No, you could see him at different times kind of really flustered and frustrated and kind of out of sorts. Uh, I think one big thing as far as even we were talking about kind of Bama's defense and you know, how it hasn't been a typical Bama defense is the inexperience really at linebacker. I mean, you used to having guys lead that unit. You think of in the recent years, your C.J. Mosley's. You think of your Courtney Upshaw's. You think of your Reuben Foster's. Right now, you don't have those guys on that defense at linebacker right now. Normally, you that's pretty much their strongest unit, and you have two freshmen right now that's starting at those primary inside linebacker positions for them. And so, um, I think that's part of why you're seeing what you're seeing from them defensively but once like you were saying they faced the team that had the firepower that could exploit that and that's the thing with LSU like it wasn't going to be a situation with Tennessee with you know Tennessee gets a turnover and then all of a sudden they can't do anything with it or they get set up mm-hmm. in you know good field position and they can't do anything with it right LSU has the firepower you to almost don't that. want LSU to get yeah. that many possessions because it's almost between uh, Clyde which we're going to get into in a second Justin Jefferson Lamar Chase who has another we will have another year of Lamar Chase Jamar Jamar I'm sorry I'm sorry Jamar Jamar Chase you know, you know, and I'm missing some. That is, you know, that is Moss, and you uh, know, Terrence Marshall. Terrence Marshall, like this receiving core is, 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 you know, one of the best in the country. You know, as you know, and they, just like you said, Ramon, which was a great point. You, you know, they they mirror each other as teams, but the thing about LSU is that they do have very good talent on defense, even though they're not the strong defense that they have been in the past, but. You know, just to speak on Nick Saban and, and his back being against the wall and 
you know, of course his team put him in a lot of bad situations, but, you know, you, you saw a team that was going forward on, on, on fourth down, wasn't getting it. You saw a, a, the play calling to me was a little kind of off to me a little bit. Um, do you know, do am I seeing, am I calling something wrong? Do you think Nick Saban back was against the wall a little bit? Yeah, I know. I think they definitely felt the pressure and his back was against the wall. I mean, if you look at the first two plays, you know, I mean, the first two times they scored, it was off like gimmick things, you know, freak accidents, the punt return, right? You know, the player threw him the way that the coverage wasn't, right? And then that, that long touchdown against the true freshman, you know, they caught them slipping on a trick play, almost like they snapped, looked to the sideline, and then they snapped it quick as our defense was looking to the sideline. So it was almost on like a trick play, that they scored on those both both of those plays. So that's what the thing that's concerning is like they re- really LSU dominated those games. You know, and then you look at those two scores that they 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 mustered up. LSU dominated that game, and it was it was fun to see. You know how mm-hmm. how long have you know Bama whooped our whoop LSU tail? You know, and mm-hmm. it's just it was one of those things that was good to see. Well, I mean, one thing that you saw with Nick uh, apparently he had no answer for Joe Brady, and. Again, I'm not used to seeing, I guess you, you brought up Clemson. Yeah. But even then, you know, with Clemson, I mean, he. I guess that was kind of the first time that I saw Nick kind of like didn't have an answer for the offense just this past year in the championship game. But he did not have an answer for Joe. And, you know, that's a good transition because I want to talk about Joe Burrow. Uh, I don't I don't think that at this point, like we discussed last week, Ramon, I feel like he's done enough to make himself a Heisman favorite. I know he was a Heisman favorite before, but I think more so now, it's I think he it's his it, award right? to lose. He won it. I think that when you look at how Joe, from start to finish, he made his mistakes. He missed those throws, but you look at yeah. he, 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 what did, how many he completed? 13 in a row, was it? Yeah. yeah. 13 in a row before his first incompletion. And I look at the the pass where the, the, in the first quarter, with I think it was six minutes in the first quarter, how he dropped that ball in that zone right in between the safety and the corner. That was a beautiful throw. This lets you know everything you need to know about that Joe Burrow performance. Joe Burrow went into Tuscaloosa on pace to set the single-season completion percentage record. He left Tuscaloosa with a better completion percentage. Mm. So that lets you know everything you need to know about that performance that he had um, on yesterday in that game. He was dialed in. I saw about really more, probably about two to three throws where I felt he was off target. But for the most part, like yeah. we were talking and discussing even in the group me, those are NFL throws. That, yeah, that he's I mean, out there. And, and he makes it easy for guys like Justin Jefferson and he exploits their talent because Justin Jefferson, we know he can fly. We know that Chase can fly. And he puts the, he hits them in stride to where they can pick up 10 yards, you know, just an interesting tidbit. Bama, before prior to us, led the nation in in uh, yards yeah, after catch. Yeah. So that that means that they're not giving up many yards after the catch. But you saw time and time again, three yards, five yard passes going for fifteen and twenty yards because of the speed of Chase, and that's because of Joe Burrow. We watch we watch the greats. I'm not comparing Joe Burrow to Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, or Tom Brady, but uh, uh, that type of elite quarterbacks they get their yardage because they're able to hit these receivers in stride and they're able to get an extra 10 or 15 yards when otherwise you throw it behind them you're only getting what the pass is but you know what impressed me about joe in this game is that i think that he answered a lot of questions because you know okay we know he can throw it because he's leading the nation in in, in completion percentage 
But how athletic is he? You know, how mobile is he? How does he work the pocket? I think all of those answers were answered. I mean, all those questions were answered last night. You know, I saw a quarterback that was in control at all times, never got flustered. You going into a hostile environment, and he was not moved. They, you know, he didn't have a clean pocket all the time. Yeah. But you see, at the time, it's like he had a three-second uh, uh, clock right. in his head, and he was just like, hey, look, I don't care if it's premature. Because a lot of times when he took off, I was like, man, that's a little premature. But he had in his mind, he was like, if it's not there in three seconds, it's not going to be. I'm about yeah. to take off. And I think that that's, that goes to coaching. You know, and it, it goes to Joe, just his poise. But you know, he he was nothing short of remarkable there. And you know, just his just I I just hadn't seen a player, you know, maybe outside of Jalen Hurst this year that just seems way wise beyond their years. They they're really locked in and focused. They're all about the team, and they're all about having success as a team. Yeah, no, I think just to even chime in on that too, specifically with Joe Burrow. I think the thing that sticks out to me the most about him is that when you absolutely need it, when you absolutely need a response and an answer, every single time this year he stepped mm-hmm. up. In that Texas game, when the offenses are going back and forth and you absolutely needed a play to be made, he was able to mm-hmm. make the play. In that Florida game, when the defense struggled for a while and the offense needed to keep doing what they were doing and needed drive after drive, mm-hmm. Joe made a play. When it got to the point where it looked like Bama was kind of coming back at a certain point and LSU absolutely needed mm-hmm. a drive or it could have come from under them, mm-hmm. Joe Burrow was right there. And you see it game after game. He is always there to step up into that big moment. And to me, He's not only had a Heisman moment, to me he's had several Heisman yeah. moments. The Florida game, this game, Auburn game. I mean, pick, Texas take game, your the pick. third and 17. Take, like, take yeah. your pick. I mean, and then the fact that it was even times at LSU, I mean, last night was third and 15, and he's scrambling and giving yourself a living chance to have a fourth and one. You know, and it's not even about that. It's about... You know, when there's nothing there and there's absolutely nothing there, but he's able to find a four-yard pass to make or find his reads or find that third and fourth option on the field. He's well in control of offense that which people don't really realize this is his first year in the offense. You know, this is his first year, and he looks like he's been in the offense for years. And and the thing about it you can just see is that that team rallies around him. Like, he legitimately has that it factor. You know, I listen to – you know, different radio, and I listened to, you know, uh, T-Bob Bear specifically. He played on that 2011 team that went to the national championship. And he said the leader in that locker room was Tyron Matthew. He said anytime Tyron would speak, he had everyone's attention. The team would completely rally around him, and that's when they played some of their best football. And you see that here and there with different players, but I see that in Joe Burrow. I see that it factor in him, that that team rallies around him. He creates a sense of belief, even beyond the coaching staff. He creates a sense of belief and a confidence in that team, and they're willing to rally around him. And I think that's why you're seeing a special LSU team right now. Yeah, I agree. And I think that he has worked himself in that conversation of being the first quarterback taken off the board. I think that he really did look like the best quarterback in the nation last night. He really looked like he was somebody that, you know, he just, I mean, it's no, his completion percentage says a lot about him too. Like you could play in whatever system you are, but are you accurate? He's very accurate. He's a talented passer. And I think that's something that he improved even from last year. You know, I didn't think he was that accurate as he is this year than he was last year. So 
you know, hats off to Joe. And, and I think even though you're saying that completion percentage too, it bears out that it's also two not just short yardage things. He's hitting it at three levels. The short yardage, the intermediate, and the deep routes. Mm-hmm. He's, his completion percentage is extremely high in all areas of the field. So it's not just like he's thinking and dumping and it's easy and the receiver just takes it after they get a two-yard pass from him and then they go in the distance. He's able to hit it on every level. And he's shown that this year he can make every NFL throw. Yeah, man. What about you, Lowe? So you got no, I mean, I, I think he nailed it. You know, and I think the un, most underrated part about his game is his legs, you know, and I think yeah. a lot of people sleep, sleep right. on that part of it, you know, and I think him and NFL teams being there and at the game, um, I think that's the part that people sleep on, that he can actually run it and take off and be successful. And he's yeah. not sliding. And he he's ain't slow. Forward. He's and taking the hit. He's taking the hit. And yeah. he's not slow, man. So I love the heart that Joe plays with, and I think that he's my Heisman win. If I had a vote, he'd definitely get my vote. Unbiases, you know, he's had the toughest matchup, and that's the game of the year. When you look at that's his fourth top 10 win this year, man, you got, I mean. He's, he's going to win. Yeah, he, he should definitely win. We talked about it weeks ago, and we talked about this matchup and feeling that this matchup would decide who's going to win the Heisman yeah. Trophy. And, I mean, he did it. You know he's going to, I mean, go out against Ole Miss and, and Arkansas and light them up. I mean, he's going to get 300-plus yards, if not 400-plus yards, with three to five TDs in each of those games. Mm. They're going to have for something for A&M when A&M comes into that stadium after that matchup, you know, last year. So, and then from there, he can sell on into the SEC Championship. So, yeah, I think he has that, nothing left yeah, to prove. That, that game basically, to me, locked up the Heisman. Of course, board. of course. So, just keeping it on, the, I guess, the Heisman, you know, trail, there was another Heisman hopeful in that game, and that's Tua. Um, to me, when I looked at Tua, I don't feel like Tua – was not unhealthy. I don't think he looked unhealthy. He looked more, like I told you in the group me, he looked rusty to me. His timing was off, and that's what caused the, the fumble on the first drive of the yeah. game that slipped out his hand. You know, you can practice all you want, but if you're not in real game time yeah. situations, your timing going to be off. You know, he some, sometimes he was holding the ball too long. He was missing throws that he usually make. He wasn't as mobile because, you know, he probably didn't trust his ankle. And then throughout the course of the game, I will admit that LSU, which was Aranda's game plan, was to wear him down and, and give him some hits and, and test that ankle out. And, and you make know, him use that ankle. Exactly. So, and we saw through the course of the game towards the end, he started limping a little, little bit, which he still was playing well. But I think that Tua lost to Heisman. I don't think he's going to, you know, just because Joe plays so well, but... You know, just, you know, Tua, I think Tua was rusty to me more so. And and I think for that game, too, you would have to, of course, which most people, I'm sure, that even has a chance to vote, would have had to watch it. Because if you look at Tua's numbers after the game, you see over 400 yards passing and you see the four touchdowns to one interception. Uh, But you got to look at the fact that his completion percentage was like right at or right above 50. I think I want to say off the top of my head was 21 for 40 Mm. in that game. Um, so the completion percentage was very low for Tua. Like you said, his timing just looked um, off. But, you know, I, I just hated that they just over and over again, every time they could mention the ankle. I mean, it must have been at least 50 times that they mentioned mm-hmm. that in that game uh, yesterday. But like you said, I mean, I think that his chances are gone at this point because when he gets down to it, you're probably going to sit there. It's going to be Joe, him, Jalen, Hurts. You got the matchup between him and Joe. Joe won out that matchup. I just don't think that there's anything that he can do. He only has Auburn left on the schedule. 
they haven't had any really big wins this year where he could have a Heisman moment, mm-hmm. that would have been the game for him to have a Heisman moment. So I can't see how it's going to be done. All right. What you thought about Tua, Los? No, I mean, you can definitely tell, you know, that that ankle was bothering him and that he wasn't himself. If you just look at, you know, his rushing yards, I think he ended up with like a negative rushing yards, you know, to, to finish the game. And so, I mean, I think Tua, um, you know, it, we, we I, one thing, I think Tua still played a good game, you know, saying that he came off surgery less than, what, 20, not even 20-something days ago. Um, so um, I was so from that aspect, I was impressed that he gutted it out and still played. Um, but I think again, it was just way too much LSU defense. Yeah. Offense put pressure on him, and you know, and he wasn't able to be. I think that defense was knew that he wasn't going to take off running, so that changed the game plan. And so um, again, it'll be interesting to see if if they play again uh, uh, a healthy two or how how the game goes. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, I couldn't, I can't, and that's why I was like. Saying to people like I think that the ankle like eventually warmed down, but I think initially I didn't see where the ankle affected him. Mm-hmm. I thought it was like the only portion of the ankle that affected him to me was that you can tell he's been out of football for for a couple weeks. He looked like it. He wasn't able to play with the game speed. He wasn't able to adjust to the to the real life game speed. But I don't think it was enough to be like, hey, look, he wasn't healthy out there. No. You know, and then towards the end, of course, he, he started limping a little bit. But, you know, I, I mean, I just think, think the timing was off. I mean, you can't expect to, to miss two weeks and then playing the biggest game in your life. You know, so, I mean, I, 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 I couldn't buy anybody saying, you know, I, I don't know if I hadn't talked to many Bama fans because they've been so quiet. But, uh, I, don't, I mean, for them, <laughs> if they were able to say <laughs> If they was able to say that, oh, okay, two was ankle was the cause of him lose, I'm not buying that. I'm not buying it either. I'm not buying it either. Yeah, so, I mean, let's talk about Clyde. Clyde the stride, man. Man. Right. I mean, I think that he's been somebody, including me, that has really kind of undervalued what he means to the to LSU. But I think he's been one of those running backs in, that's in the, that, uh, in, the, in the country that has been very uh, – has been very underrated and flew under yeah. radar, but he arrived on the national stage last night. And he performed, yeah. and LSU really owes him, uh, you know, as well as Joe, yeah. you know, the g- player of the game or game ball because he really played his heart out. Right. I, I think we got to, like you said, you know, show Clyde the respect that he deserves um, because, honestly, earlier Give a whack year, at his last name, man. <laughs> oh, Clyde Edwards-Eler? Yeah. Yeah. Um. I think we got to show him the respect because, honestly, early in the year, some of the things that were being thrown around, and I'm going to be honest, I said it at a certain point, was that, man, okay, we got this offense. Imagine if we would have had Darius Geis or Leonard Fournette in this offense. Imagine if we really had a run game to go with this passing game that Mm -hmm. we have. And now, you know, I'm not trying to say that he's definitely and completely in that echelon, but we kept saying, okay, we don't have a run game to totally match what the passing game is doing. And now you saw Clyde that was so dynamic on the field, not only in the run game, but the, the way he got out of the backfield. Even he's he's such a smart player. His IQ on the field is so great. There was one of the times where Shaheem Carter really came off the edge on, on kind of a corner blitz um, where he really should have had a chance at Joe. And... Um, and um, Clyde was there to just chip him enough to let Joe step up in the pocket and deliver a pass. He was there when Joe had nothing else to just check down to, 
and then he'll turn something that should be two yards into ten yards. I, yeah, I, th- I think it's like you said. Clyde checks off all the boxes and what a John Gruden looks for in a running back. You have to know how to block, yeah. pick up the, the blitz. You have to know how to make reads. You have to know how to catch. And last, you have to be able to run. Yeah. And I think that Clyde checked off all those boxes. He's been checking them off all year. But even more so, if you're able to do that on, the, on this national stage, he was huge for Joe because yeah. Joe was checking down to him a lot. He made himself available. He wasn't dropping, dropping balls. Nope. You know, he he's a he really worked his way into probably like the third round of the draft with, with his performance last night. Yeah. No, definitely. I think he'll be like a second or third round rounder and I think he's just perfect for the offense. Mm-hmm. You know, he's mm-hmm. he, the air raid, you know, the the throwing it, the airing it out, he's the perfect one. He can catch the ball, he can split out. Um, you know, and that patent spin move, man, we got to give, we got to, yeah. man, it was just nasty yeah. with the spin move. So, I mean, I, I like, I like him and a lot, I heard over, you know, watching the game that's comparing him to Darren Sproles. I like that comp comparison. Um, you know, he is, you know, he's that smaller back, um, kind of big, you know, almost look fat. Not fat, I, I don't like that comparison though, because I feel like he's bigger than Darren Sproles was. I don't feel like he's gonna have a role. I think he could be a feature back in somebody's offense in the NFL. So he can run between the tackles. He can run between the tackles as well. But you know, I think that 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 when he jumped into the end zone, that was very Darren Sproles ish. Yeah. No, I mean, but do y'all think he's definitely gonna make that that leap? I mean, I know Clyde is a junior. I don't know if he's a type of another year. he's he's a type of guy I could very well see him coming back. I could. Yeah, I could see him but coming it back. If you win, but we got a lot of horses behind him. Be, yeah, you know it, it just all. And you, you expect him? He still has two big games, like you said, because I'm assuming that uh, ooh, a lot of big games because yeah. you got the playoffs. You got the yeah, SEC championship. championship. So he still has a lot of big stages yeah. to perform on. So I think that if they win a national championship, I don't he see why it. he will stay. Yeah, I can, I can see that. I can see him making the move. I think one of the biggest, even to me, I guess one of the t- dumbest things in the in that game to me was the series that LSU took him off the field. He was the mm. quote-unquote, what you want to say, high hand at the time. And they went kind of what they were typically doing, bringing Ty Davis Price in for a drive. And honestly, it just wasn't the place for that. When Najee Harris got going, what did Bama do? Feed him, feed him, feed him. Play after play, drive after drive. Feed him, feed him, feed him. And we had an opportunity after Bama had that 95-yard drive to once again put our foot right back on on their throat. And then we brought in Ty Davis Price, and there's no shot against him. He's a great freshman. But Clyde had it going at that moment. As you can see, even the later drives, Clyde made those key plays to keep drives going. Mm -hmm. He made the key plays plays on those scoring drives. Mm -hmm. So to take him out for that drive like that, in which he had had a bunch of time to just sit on the sideline anyway, Mm -hmm. I just didn't think that was the the right move for the staff. But, hey, they still made it through it, um, and he still made big plays down the stretch. Well, let's, let's further evaluate, I think, that, you know, we're going to be getting so deep into LSU's team because we finally, after four top ten wins, it's time to start really talking about it and getting to why they're so good. And we can't go any further without mentioning that wide receiver core uh, with, with Justin Jefferson, uh, Jamar Chase, and Thaddeus Moss, and I think Terrence Marshall. Terrence Marshall. Like, those guys are, are, are great. I enjoyed watching Jamar catch the ball last night. You know, he been eating all season long. I think he got like 800 yards. Yeah. I think he got like 56 receptions. Next year, like he'll that. be the first receiver off the board. In of course, track. yeah. Next year, he will be the first receiver off his the board. His catch radius is amazing. And Justin Jefferson, his with his route running, his speed, his catch radius, 
is amazing. And Terrence Marshall, he's one of those guys that's coming on a little later because of injuries and stuff like that. But you know, he's a he's gonna be a good receiver to come yeah. too. You got look um, at he was leading the nation in touchdown receptions before he got hurt, and then yeah. he got those games out. So, so let's talk about uh, Thaddeus Moss in that catch, man. He's oh. looking like his father out there, man. Yeah, I think his dad got to shout him out, man, on the, on the yeah. You Got Moss. He oh, might definitely, have shot him out, definitely, man. bro. He earned it, you know, though, with the toe tap and everything. It's just in his blood, man. But, you know, it, it's nice having the wide receiver core, two included. You know, just the wide receiver core for, for, for Bama and, and LSU, man, they, they were nothing short of remarkable between Ruggs and his speed and, you know, just um, uh, Judy and his route running and, you know, Smith, he, he was flying. Devin Smith was flying last night. So, you know, what, what, who do you think won the wide receiver core battle? I mean, when you look at the comparison of the numbers, I think it was just about even, man. I don't I don't think you can give it to one way. But if I had to choose, I will go with the winning team. Yeah. Um, it, like you said, it, it was very close. Yeah. Before, honestly, for a while, it was kind of – like, Bama just kind of had Judy going for a while. The other guys kind of slowly came on, and then Devontae uh, Smith, Devontae, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, or whatever, Smith got going. Uh, Ruggs, to me, was a little bit quiet. He yeah. was the one that was a little quiet. Yeah, some, some plays. Yeah, some but... plays, but he was a little quiet. But like you said, when it's a matchup that's almost a wash, I got to give it to the team that wins, too. Mm. And so... Um, I would say, you know, LSU. And then, man, all the times that Jamar Chase was getting held, did you see that? Yeah, that was they ridiculous. Just calling it? They couldn't do nothing with Jamar, man. Yeah, and the thing about it, too, Diggs that was covering him, he's like the number two. Of, he's exactly. going to be a top three corner taken in this draft. Diggs got eight up between, last night. Between Jeffrey Okuda, Diggs, and Christian Fulton, they should be your top three corners in this upcoming NFL draft. And Jamar Chase was killing Diggs. Like yeah, it wasn't nothing Diggs could do. I mean, Jamar, just like I said, he's been doing this all year. For some reason, Justin Jefferson is the name that always pops up, I guess, because he, he has a lot of flashy plays. But when you talk about a receiver that's just making plays, that's just steady, you know, I think that he flies under the radar. He's not too flashy, but Jamar Chase, man. I used to think Justin Jefferson was our best receiver, but... Jamar Chase has the most potential in the group is what I would say. Jamar Chase has the, the highest ceiling of that group. Uh, he He's just a special player. Like, when you get him in a one-on-one matchup, you got to target And then it's just a, he's just a sophomore, so we'll have him back next year. Yeah, man, Terrace Marshall will definitely be back. So, it's good, man. I, I think that, that, was, that was good. Um, I think it's one more thing. Um, uh, okay, greatest LSU team since the 03 team. Would you take the 03 team, championship team, over this one? Now, of course, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. But just what you've seen so far, as far as dominance on offense, we've never seen an offense like this. Oh, you talking about you talking about offensively or you talking about just as a team as a whole? As a team as a whole. As a team as a whole, the 11 team was better than the 03 team and better than the 07 team. Okay. I would say the 11 team has been the best since, but this team has an opportunity to overshadow that 11 team. Just because they they're more electric. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had to go with the 11 team because on both sides of the ball, they were just, they were pretty, pretty, on defense, they were just filthy. I mean, two first-team All-Americans yeah. at your corner position. One wins the Benaric Award, which goes to the top defensive player in the nation. The other wins the Thorpe Award, which goes to your top defensive back. 
also in that backfield, you have an Eric Reed that's back there that was also an All-American this time at LSU with also Brandon Taylor being back there. Mm -hmm. Everything that you had on that D-line between Mingo and Sam Montgomery, uh, Benny Logan and those guys, like that defense was ridiculous. So much NFL talent. And you look even at the offensively, you know, you didn't have the quarterback position wasn't the greatest, but you look at Ruben Randall that sustained a career in the NFL. Russell Shepard still playing in the NFL to this day. You look at the running backs that you had on that team with Spencer Ware that was an NFL mm -hmm. back for time. Michael Ford, uh, that team was just, you know, pretty special. And I think that uh, I this team is just very explosive offensively, and I think that this team would have a nice chance against that 11 team. But I value the 11 team over the 07 team and the 2003 team. Okay. What about you, Lowe? You, you, you have any rebuttals? No, I'm, I'm with him on that one. Okay. Okay, man. Well, there you have it. Um, LSU over Bama for the first time in eight years. Uh, ironically, the last game we won, it was 9 to 6. 6. 9 to 6. And now this we won forty six to forty one. So uh, you you just looking at just two completely <laughs> different teams. But go Tigers! I don't want to hear any of the fake Alabama fans. I think that era is over. I think that era yeah. is over. We, you know, because I, I mean, people are just fans because it's just trendy to do. Yeah. But and you know, a lot of people hate on LSU. Yeah. But um, I think that it's over, and they were very very quiet. Like I didn't see any any. Bama, um, I didn't see any LSU slander at all. And, and you look at it from even the fact, too, of, like you saying, this era, in a sense, ended. And I'm not saying that Bama has done anything like no, that. No, no. But as far as that dominance, you look at just after this game, Najee and Guillory, who's one of the top defensive tackles in the nation, finally came public with his commitment. They said he's probably been a silent commit for a while, but now officially declared himself in this class. You look at Elias Ricks, who's the number one cornerback in the nation, um, who was uh, already an LSU commit but said after this game, I'm shutting down my recruitment. Like, it's over. I'm a Tiger. And they saying that the phones are lighting up at this point for a recruiting class that's already the number two class in the nation that only sits behind Clemson. But now you saying after this game, this Bama game right here, recruiting is just going to be crazy for LSU. And, so. and that's what I wanted to do. That was a good transition, Ramon. I just wanted to talk about the recruitment and what it means to LSU, and you just said it. You know, it, we don't have to go any deeper, but I think with Joe Burrow, what you're going to see, because LSU is not known for cultivating great quarterbacks. You know, we got our Russell uh, – Goodness gracious, I'm drawing a blank. Russell, uh, you know, Russell Shepard, when you can't. Not Russell Shepard, the quarterback. You talking, talking about this? He went number two. Huh? He went number two. Oh, you talking about Jamarcus Russell? Jamarcus Russell, uh, Ryan Parallel, what could have been with oh, him. Oh, man, Ryan uh, man. But, you know, we don't really, we got Rohan David, we don't, we don't, we hadn't really cultivated, but now Joe, Joe Burrow, you know, you got a guy that, you know, was was, was he like a four-star coming out of high school or whatever? Between three and four. Three and four. So, but I'm, I'm looking at this, man. We're we going to start getting the the, the, the Herberts, uh, Justin Herberts of the world, the the tours of the world, you know, the the, the five-star elite super talented because they're going to want to kill to play in this type of system. I think it's just the beginning, you know, just like Ohio State had they run yeah. of quarterbacks, you know, now they got Justin Fields back there, but even before then, you know, you look at the numbers that uh God, 
you know the guy. None of them really. You talking about Dwayne Haskins? Dwayne Haskins, you know. And and JT Bear. Yeah, JT Bear. It's like, I think that LSU is about to start having that kind of quarterback carousel now. Yeah. No, I can, I can see it. And one small note, not saying that this is definitely going to happen. I'm not saying inside information. I know it's going to happen. But um, I, there's a, a possibility that you can see. Uh, the number one QB in the nation that's currently co- uh, committed to Clemson, there's a possibility you could see him flip to LSU. I'm not saying that this is going to happen. It's just kind of little some stuff, little some rumors out there. Uh, if you really follow the recruiting circle uh, and really pay attention to that closely, and that would be huge for this class. Even though this class already does have two quarterback commits in it, um, who are solid players. Um, I think they've slid in the rankings just a little bit, but I think both of them are pretty good. But like you said, you're going to start being able to kind of go out there and pick whoever you want at that quarterback position. They get to come and play in an offense like this. So That is an interesting nugget. Yeah. An interesting, windy, spicy nugget. You like the spicy nuggets from Wendy's? I feel like I used to like them more years ago than I like them now. I know Lowe's like the spicy nuggets from Wendy's. I do like them, bro. They are good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, man, they ain't paying us for pub, but anyway. Um, so in turn, there was a big game coming, and they, I'm, I hate this because they ruined the big Penn State Ohio State game for me. But Minnesota knocked off the big Penn State, and we joked about this Ramon for some pies, you know, about Penn State just cruising along in the rankings, and now they finally fell. Uh, Minnesota is, is for real. I don't know where that coach come from. Maybe you know a little background about him, bro. But that coach is really doing his thing out there in Minnesota. Yeah, PJ Fleck. I'm trying to remember exactly where he came from, but I know that when we were in this search for you know a coach, and when Coach O was the interim coach, and we were deciding all that, PJ Fleck was one of the names that was routinely kind of thrown around. He was really a, a hot name, really, among the LSU fan base, especially. You go on those message boards, Tiger Droppings, all that. A lot of guys wanted P.J. Fleck to be the next one because he's been kind of an up-and-coming coach and has done well. It's really escaping me where he was before Minnesota, uh, but I know he did a heck of a job there. Made his way over to Minnesota now, and you see what he's doing with that program. Like you said, knocking off an undefeated Penn State. Mm-hmm. And that Minnesota team is so interesting because they started off the year even though they were winning, it was like slow and they were barely escaping against kind of inferior competition that wasn't that good. And then now you see them in the last couple of weeks leading up to Penn State, they were pretty dominant. And then they come and play Penn State and beat Penn State. So it's interesting to see the progression of that team throughout the course of the season. So uh, we released our rankings uh, going up. But, that, I mean, that's big for Penn State. I, I think even if they were to beat Ohio State, I, I don't see them making the playoffs, man. I don't see them making the playoffs. You know, they don't have enough big games uh, left uh, to make the playoffs. But, I mean, and that, that just kind of makes me kind of think that probably it opens up the door for two ACC teams to be in the, in the playoffs, uh, whether, whether it be Georgia or Bama uh, going, in, going forward. But uh, what, do you, what do you feel like, who do you think are the four teams in the playoffs this year? I mean, this week, I'm sorry. This week, the top four? Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, me personally, I would say, of course, LSU to me is going to grab that number one ranking at this point. Uh, I believe that's the plan Ohio State there. Ohio State will go to number two. Um, you're going to actually see Clemson now slide back in there. So I think that Clemson will occupy that three spot. And I think that presently, right now, you're going to see Georgia occupy that four spot. 
Um, I think that at this point, that's how the committee will view it. Um, Can I you say that that fourth spot? I think they're going to have Georgia at that fourth spot. Okay. I think that Georgia will. I think that that will be the four teams that will uh, be sitting in there when you watch that on Tuesday night. Mm. So I think that ultimately what will stop Georgia from, I think that it just kind of opens up the door for Bama because I think that if Georgia lose in that, and if they make it to the conference championship and they lose, I think that will open up the door oh, yes. for, for Bama to get in there. But what, what, what are your four teams, Los? No, that's it. Yeah, same as Ramones. So y'all got LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and Georgia. Yeah, I, I think what, and, and that's just what is present week. I yeah. think what we have to see going forward, honestly, and I think what, in order, obviously as LSU fans, we don't want to see the scenario where we play Bama again. We just don't, not in a sense that we're afraid of Bama or anything like that, but we saw 2011, and I think the circumstances would, of course, be different this time different coaches, different philosophies, all of that. But you never want to see a team twice in a year. When you beat a team, that should be done. You go to their home place, you beat them, they should be wiped out. I think that our way of getting by that is, once again, Ohio State staying undefeated, which I think will be the case. Clemson staying undefeated and heading into the playoff, which I think will be the case. And I think that Oregon and Utah need to keep winning. If Oregon and Utah win and they find themselves in that Pac-12 championship, at both teams being 11-1, and one, I truly believe that that winner from that Pac-12 championship will grab a spot over Alabama. And I believe that because they will not only have, of course, be the same record and have that one loss, they would have won their conference championship. But also, too, they will have at least not, you know, they will have at least one or two signature wins on their record right now. Leading into it as it goes, Bama may not finish this season with a signature win. If Auburn loses to Georgia and then comes and loses to Alabama as well, Bama's best win of this season will be to a four-loss Auburn team. And so I think that their resume won't hold ground. I believe that the committee will look at the eye test as well, which is what will keep Bama around. But I believe if those two Pac-12 teams find themselves there at 11-1, and one of those teams, of course, obviously wins that matchup. I think that they can find that. So we're rooting for Oregon and Utah. Root for Oregon and Utah. So, Los, uh, my girl asked me to tell you how you're doing because the Steelers beat the Rams. <laughs> <laughs> you know she's no, a Steelers fan. I'm she doing was, good. I'm doing good, man. She's a Steelers fan. so And they beat y'all without James Conner. But I ain't going to say yeah. too much because we lost to the Falcons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not go there. All, all I said about this. Don't you do that, man. Don't you do that. Yeah, so, um, all right. So, man, that's that's good, man. College football is heating up. I think that's why it took up the bulk of the of the episode. But as we kind of shift climates, um, I guess to into the NFL scene. I mean, some big games went down today, as you just heard. The Steelers beat the Rams. The Saints lost to the Falcons, and the Colts lost to the <laughs> Dolphins. So, all three of our teams <laughs> lost today. Um, I, I don't. I mean, I don't know, man. I, NFL kind of like it's in that part of the season where it's like it's not really any implications right now. That's that weird part of the season where it's like, you know, who cares? Really? Honestly, this week was kind of a dud to me, and it's yeah. not just on the the fact. Obviously, losing contributes to that, but it's not just the fact of that. Um, I it just wasn't an exciting week to me. Like, I can't say anything stuck out. 
Then I'm like, oh, this was entertaining. Oh, man, this match. The more Jackson performance is worth mentioning. Yep. But, uh, yeah, it's not much to talk about there. So let's shift to the NBA. Uh, Am I moving too fast? Uh, Is there anything I... I think we can cover NFL at another time, man. (laughs) NFL just wasn't an exciting week. Yeah, it's not. Everybody listening was like, yeah, they don't want to talk because they three teams. (laughs) No, man, (laughs) they ain't really nothing to talk about. I mean, I can't think of anything that was really exciting. We we can talk about Antonio Brown, but I'm trying to talk about... We can talk about that so many times. Yeah, I'm tired of talking about Antonio Brown. Let's not talk about... Yeah, let's not talk about AB. Okay, so let's switch to the NBA, man. What's up with y'all boy Deion Waiters, man? Oh, oh. <laughs> I like gummy bears too, but doggone, bro. Yeah. Not them kind that he had, though. I like regular yeah. gummy bears with no drugs in them. Yeah, that's a crazy situation. But how you on a team playing eating that? Like, why is it on your mind to eat edibles on a plane or at your game? They handed him the 10-game suspension for all kind of that, that went into it, uh, that whole situation. But that Dion Waiters has been a problem all year. I didn't know he had that type of personality. Like, he got into it with Spolstra before the season opened, so they, they suspended him. They didn't allow him to suit up that game. And then now with the edibles, and they just saying he's been a problem for, like, the last few months, man. Right, and, and honestly, he's not good enough to be a problem. No, he's not good enough, He's not good enough to be a problem. You know, you may see teams and certain organizations and stuff put up with certain players because of, you know, how how talented they are and all of that. And, and no, not completely knocking Deion Waiters and not acting like he's a, you know, not a quality NBA player. He is a quality NBA yeah, player, man. but you, he's you, not. You overselling him. Like, no, yeah. I'm saying, no, what I'm saying is I'm not saying that he's not a quality, like he's a serviceable NBA player is what I'm trying to say. And what I'm saying is, that you yeah, don't like have room, you don't yeah. have room to act like you act and to be getting into yeah. it with your coach, to be doing all this kind of stuff. Like you don't have, especially that type when of the room. team when the Heat is, is is actually rolling and they proving that they don't really even need you. They right. only lost three games, and one of them is to the L.A. Lakers. Go Lakers! Yeah, that's an obvious loss. Though. But um, yeah. you know, I mean, they don't really need you, dog. So why are you acting like like what, what, what's 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 up? With, what's up with your boy? Love? Ain't that your favorite player? Not at all, man. Not at all. I don't know what's going on with him, bro. Like, it might be time for them to let him go and part ways. Well, they gave him 10 games today. So, I mean, if they don't get his mind right, 10 games. Bro, I just got to <laughs> think about it, bro. Think about how desperate we were a few years ago. And I'm gonna oh, be yeah. Honest, we, I'm no, man. Don't expose <laughs> us, man. Don't expose us, bro. So I know what you're about know. to say. So, we ain't gonna expose how we wanted to sign Deion Waiters a couple man, years Deion ago. Man, Deion Waiters was hooping though. That's when he was like hooping a little bit though. But whatever, man. I don't yeah, really know. Yeah, I mean, you look at their team too. Um, they they got the young guys over there. They yeah, got, they got none hero. Uh, and, and then they got Tyler Hero. Hero. Then um, they got your twin Jimmy over there. Yeah. So they got all those young <laughs> yeah, guys yeah. over there. So it's kind of hard for him to find a hard play, a place in that lineup right now when those young guys playing so well. I mean that team was six and two coming into the night, you know, playing going against the Lakers. So they have been playing good. They're a good hard nosed team. It's just right now he can't find a spot in the rotation and I'm I'm sure this doesn't help. So it might be just time to cut ties. Man, bro. And let's talk about KCP, man. It was booing him oh, the other night, goodness, bro. Man, KCP gotta go, man. Like, oh, I'm sorry, bro. bro. Like he is we gotta 
I think that when Rondo comes back, I don't think he'll get many minutes. Yeah, because Caruso has to take his his minutes. Like Rondo's gonna have that backup point guard position, that type of role, and I think Caruso can play solid minutes at that two spot. KCP, man, he is airballing uh, layups at this point. He's airballing floaters at this point. Like it's just been pretty bad, honestly. Like he's had one, I think, good game that I can really account for this year. When we played the one, you know, Lakers played the Spurs. But other than that, man, he's probably been one of the worst basketball players in the league this year. Yeah, man. I mean, there's nothing else to say there. I just thought that 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 I would have um, that I would have brought that up. But uh, Bree Iggy. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. You gotta. You gotta. I mean, I don't know what Memphis is doing right now, but they gotta let Iggy go, bro. They Man, they hold for Iggy, Iggy guarantees a championship for the Lakers, and I think that's the part that they want to hold on to. It guarantees a championship. It guarantees it. Bruh, imagine that defense with Iggy on the wing, bruh. Come on, man. Imagine yeah. it. Yeah, bro, they'll twin and lock that wing hey, down. Bro, bro, bro. <laughs> oh, I mean, you don't have to say that. You've been waiting for everybody to get back to have the whole band back to open up your choke. <laughs> but, yeah, man, I, I, Iggy would be that defender that we really kind of need. But LeBron been playing such good defense, bro. He's been really, like, just taking over, bro. And, you know, I think that that's a credit to – I don't know how this ended up being a Laker conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that that goes to the coach, our head coach, man. He he he's really invested on that defensive end, man, and he making sure that everybody's invested on the end because LeBron was not invested at all. But man, I think that ultimately, bro, what's up with this low management case, bro? We heard LeBron say, "Look, man, if I'm banged up, if I'm if I'm healthy, I'm gonna play." You heard James Harden say, uh, "Look, man, y'all know y'all never seen me sit out because of low management." I'm the man. My beard is nice. I don't never sit out games unless I'm hurt. If I'm healthy, I'm going to be out there. And then you look at Michael Jordan just telling his team, they say he mandated his team. You expected to play 82 games. So I think that, honestly, when I'm looking at the best player in the world, which people try to put, uh, which people put, rightfully so, because when yeah. he's out there, he's amazing. But you know the fact that he do do that lows, man, bro. You're only 28. Yeah, I can't. I can't respect. It. I can't respect I can't it, respect man. It, I can't man. put you in that case if you're not available to me every night. I mean, you hearing right now? You hearing like the Jordan comparisons and all that with Kawhi, and you hear like this this greatness and mentioning him among the all time greats, and like you saying, mentioning him as the best player in the game at this point. And like you said, I mean, his 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 talent can warrant that discussion, but. To me, if you don't have that mentality that each and every night you want to go out and play and attack and, and go out there, um, and, and when you had a big matchups, when you're going against a guy like you know Giannis that you were in the Eastern Conference Finals against last year, and you have that type of matchup and you decide to skip that or bypass that, like I really honestly can't respect it. And I think that too, you know, I, I feel like that the Clippers are doing what they can to try to skirt around the rules. I know that they got you know, fine for the situation. But, like, come on, saying that, you know, it's a knee injury and all this kind of stuff. If it's a knee injury, let him sit out several games. Why is he only sitting out when back-to-backs happen and all that kind of stuff? Mm -hmm. So it's obvious that it's not just like, oh, he got this knee injury. If he's hurt, let him sit out for a prolonged period of time. Don't let him play and then sit him out and then come right back and let him play. That's not, to me, him truly being injured. I know he could be nursing something that, you know, he doesn't feel 100%, but... 
I don't know. I just can't. I just can't get with it, man. I can't respect. Well, it. I come from the era where my when my my favorite player when he when he was healthy he played. So I don't know anything about this low management stuff, but it is kind of disappointing in, in Kawhi that he you know and then and the Clippers, you know they they really kind of you know leaning on that and and you know it it's selling your the fans. Uh, I'm with K, uh, K Perkins on this man. It's selling the fans short. Because, you know, the reason why y'all getting these fat checks is because fans are willing to pay for tickets to come see they see you play. So, I mean, when you playing for tickets, you know, just like ESPN bought the rights to that game to show the game. And then the start, that, that, that matchup was trash when Kawhi wasn't playing. I didn't watch no, that I didn't, game. I didn't either. I you didn't know, either. so, and then right. what you scared of Giannis? Like, you don't want to play the former MVP of the, of the league? Like, what is going on? Right. So. I, I'm I'm sick of it, bro, and I, I hope that I'm glad when you got superstars like James Harden speaking down on it and LeBron, maybe that'll break it up. But I don't come from that era, man. The era I come from is watching AI play 82 games, is watching Kobe play 82 games, watching LeBron not miss games. You know, if he's healthy, watching MJ. Now MJ is a little before my era, but you get yeah, the point. You right. know, you know, if, if you if you healthy and available, go out there and play. I don't want to hear anything about I'm trying to save my body or whatever. You're getting paid millions of dollars because we want we are invested in your talent to perform. So perform. No, I agree with you, uh, Rob, and I agree with you, your twin also, Kendrick Perkins. So <laughs> <laughs> I knew he was gonna get me back. <laughs> No, but I, I agree with you, man. You, your fans, you know, and they, they pay for it. And now the question is, you know, they say if they're going to win championships, you know, is it worth it? You know what I'm saying? That's that's the gamble. They say, hey, he was on his low management last year, but guess what? He brung the city, not the city, he brung Toronto. Yeah, that's the city. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, um, um, so that's what is give or take. You know, it's all about the gamble and what happens at the end. If my, you get a healthy Kawhi at the end in the playoffs, and he ends up giving that team a championship, then t- people look back on it like, you know what, that was worth it. They were healthy. He was healthy, and he was able to go through the playoffs without resting. So I mean, it's just one of those things that is gonna is gonna really tell how the season end for the Clippers if it was worth it. Now, if they end up getting bounced in the first round, then your fans feel cheated because they like, you did all this resting to lose in the playoffs. You know, so it's just kind of, to me, that's where it falls for me. And my thing is, too, Carlos, just kind of piggy bank off what you said. I mean, last year, yeah, he did set out games. He was low management. I don't agree with low management, but I can understand it last year because he did miss half the season. Well, he missed pretty much the whole season, right? The year before last with the Spurs. He played nine games that year. So, you know, pretty much you missed the whole season. So I can understand you easing back. But yeah. now, it's, it's, it's ridiculous, bro. It's ridiculous, bro. I, I can't bro. get with it. And yeah. I and I like what um what uh, Doris Burke said about it. Like you know, it's ridiculous and it, and it's, it's it makes people frustrated. The NBA is reaching peak popularity yeah. right now. We can't be having this, bro. And then the thing about it too, like you said, even from the fans' perspective, even if you get down to the nitty gritty with it, do you got some fans out there that honestly are not in positions where you know you can go to five, ten, twenty games in a year? Yeah. There are certain situations. Where they have that one game in the year that's penciled in and circled that, hey, this star is coming to my city. I want to see my favorite player play. And then for you to be sitting out for low management reasons, I can understand if there's a situation like, for instance, you know, I missed Kobe playing one year when he came to New Orleans. He got hurt. But he was hurt. He was really hurt. Legitimately hurt. And so I missed that, but I, I was let down at that moment to not see my favorite player, knowing that he was actually hurt. So if my favorite player was literally just sitting out for low management 
point, you know, situation, like, that's ridiculous. It's yeah. ridiculous. Hey, man. Hey, man, y'all making too much money to not to be sitting out games for, for load management, man. It's weak, man. Like, like, weak, like bro. Jordan said, your salary is figured up based upon 82 games. 82. That's what your salary so, if you're healthy, for. go out there and play, man. And that's coming from a no-name from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. <laughs> but look, dog, like, I'm, I'm sick of it, man. I'm sick yeah, of it. I'm sick of it. So, uh, yeah, so that that's from that perspective. Um... Let's uh let's 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 uh I think we we getting close to the end with it, but I did kind of want to give the perspective of the league so far. I usually look at the league in ten game intervals, like I told you, Ramon. So I don't know if I really want to get into that right now, because after this week we'll probably give a better evaluation of the league. Uh, Dane put up sixty points. And a loss. And a loss, but. It's that's, still impressive. Big time scoring performances that pretty much come in losses like Dame dropping sixty, you Kyrie dropping what fifty on night one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you saw D'Angelo Russell dropping fifty two the other night. Yeah, man. Let's stop right there, man. The Warriors, man. Steph is out for the season. He found him a way out. <laughs> well, they say it's conflict in reports because they said that the report came out from Rick Buecher basically saying he had talked to some people. That said that Steph will be out for the year. Then there was a rebuttal that kind of came out. It's even specifically from the Warriors uh, organization that kind of said, contrary to that, that nothing has been determined. But I think you're going to see him miss a long, long period of time. And I think, honestly, they'll keep extending it to where eventually he'll be out for the year. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's no reason to really bring him back. I mean, you look at it, the season, probably a loss. I don't even think they'll even bring Clay back. You know, you hate you hate to see one of the teams elite to go out like that, but I mean I know the rest of the league, like they said, is licking their chops and wanting to punch the Warriors in their mouth for just the past year's dominance. But man, to see everybody go down like this, man, it's crazy. They're last place in the West right now. Yeah, That's so <laughs> and so much for us thinking they're gonna sneak squeak <laughs> right. in the playoffs, huh? I, I said that thinking about a healthy stuff and then Draymond's situation has been kind of weird to me. Yeah. It's like he just kind of had this random injury that came up. Right. And I, I think sudden, they like, just saved I think <laughs> they count, count on the loss, bro. They, they just count on the loss. But, man. I'm looking good with my mask, my mask pick in the A spot, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I had the Mavs there at first, but then I, I pulled them out the last second. Card. Yeah, but anyway, man. I mean, we about to get out of here, man. I think we pretty much covered it, man. Uh, thank you for listening again, man. Make sure that you follow us on O underscore Benchwarmers on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure that you hit us up on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure that you check us out on Shadow Worlds Media Radio.com. Make sure that you go check out their other shows that they have on there. They got a lot of stuff that, that you may enjoy besides sports. We are carried over there, so make sure that you check them out. Shout out to those guys. Shout out to the Shadow Worlds family. Shout out to the first and last time listeners. Man, no last time listeners on this one, bro. It's just first time listeners. Man, there'd be some people that might listen and be like, man, those guys are terrible. I'm never listening to this again. <laughs> um, but, you know, we appreciate it, man. We appreciate our love that you guys been showing us. We appreciate all the compliments that you've been giving us. You keep us going. Make sure that you subscribe to us. Either it be iTunes, uh, iTunes, um, I'm sorry, not iTunes, Apple. I, I got to correct myself. Yeah. I've been saying it wrong for right. yeah. quite some time. It's Apple Podcasts. It's Google Play. It's Stitcher, wherever you like to listen to your podcast. Make sure that you check us out. Continue supporting us. And we love you guys. And until next time we record, we bid you adieu. Peace out. Go Tigers. Ooh, go Tigers.